0: Welcome to San Diego Magazine's award-winning podcast in the year 2024 on a new date and time, new schedule. Things are changing. The sky's still blue. It's yeah. been raining before. I don't know. The
1: sky's changing too. I'm Sky sure. is changing. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's blackening to a modern, a postmodern microplastics um, gray gothic
2: yes. <laughs> just, <laughs> just gothic. pack it in <laughs>
1: yes. I just went dark man I just had a really nice day yesterday I worked out and everything else and then I just went dark we're anyway.
2: having an objectively nice day you're sitting there with a big bowl of salad I know I'm Our, sitting
1: here with a topo chico so alright you guys welcome awesome. back back in the light <laughs> welcome back to the podcast like David said new day um, same same people um, the, the same hearts and minds um, and souls involved which I say same now because this is like the third or fourth podcast that Jackie Bryant is on welcome back Jackie I'm back I haven't left she hasn't yes, left us um, and obviously um, David Martin looking tattooed as ever um, and soup hungry as ever yes I haven't had okay. a soup since yesterday okay, so.
2: I'm also looking tattooed I would just yes like to say. she
0: is also tattooed
1: Thank so you. I am very excited about this episode because uh, one of my favorite people in the, in the food scene is coming on Trey uh, Trey uh, Tre uh, is George's at the Cove he has been one of the top chefs in the country for a long long time um, he operated operates and is partner of one of the biggest restaurants in San Diego and when you have one of the biggest restaurants that can do 1200 covers a night you Have run a big risk of having the worst restaurant in San Diego because it is so much to manage. And yet that restaurant for 40 years has been one of the top. Um, They keep on bringing back some of the best young talent through the kitchen. And they're doing 40 years by bringing back a lot of their chefs that learned under Trey went on to win like three Michelin stars, two Michelin stars every single week. We're going to talk to Trey about his entire life, career, why he came here, Chino Farms, uh, moments of, like the low moments of his career, high moments of his career. But first, um, before we do that, I want to tell you guys the funniest story about um, uh, being a um, food reviewer. Um, okay, okay. That's so right. uh, I went into so here's the thing that we do do with reviews, right? And I, I'm just getting back to them. This is kind of how you know I came up through the food scene, and this is how, how I you know um, worked my way through. Um, and I didn't do it for a while because we just had too much to do with the magazine and, and building the bones. But now I'm getting back to it because I think it's I think it's important to have like you know just uh, you know, an honest opinion in, in a publication. Uh, so we're working on our South Bay issue Which we can see up on the wall It's, it's February, beautiful February, It is beautiful It's really well done Jackie, the whole edit team Did such a good job on it um, And we are having the taste of South Bay On February 25th Down in IB You guys should all come uh, But while I'm down there you know, that what you want to do for a food review, right, is go to a restaurant with, and you don't, I will not beat up a small restaurant. I will, I just, I won't, there's no re- reason for me to go into a tiny little restaurant, a mom and pop and somebody who dream, dreams have a terrible experience and just drive them into the ground. That's not what this is about. I will opt just not to cover that, period. You know, I, I just won't. I'm, like, I, I'm sorry. I will be very honest, and I have been honest about, you know, smallish to mid-sized restaurants where I'm like, okay, this wasn't perfect, and here why it wasn't perfect, and you, know, you can do it kind of, um, but... This one, I will tell you this, would have been a really, really bad review because I walked in and I I sit down to do the review. And, and and the server comes up and he says, um, hey, you guys are approximately four people in this restaurant. He goes, hey, you guys really should order your your drinks um, fast because they take a really, really long time. <laughs> I, go, I go, oh, okay, well, uh, you know, I'll take this cocktail. And, you know, I look at it real quick and I ordered a cocktail. But it did take a really, really long time, even though it was four minutes and four people in the restaurant. And then, you know, he comes back. He's kind, you know kind of just not, he's not really, he's just kind of, he's walking around, you know, and he comes back, he comes up to me and he goes later. And he says, he says, uh, I, I say what do you what's good on the menu and he looks at me and he goes he looks at me for a couple seconds and he goes you know I'm I, I am uh, from a different part of the world and it, where I'm from the, the food has flavor <laughs> 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 he says is about the menu he says the food has flavor except for this place does not how does he have <laughs> like it's like
0: hold on please do not pay my paycheck i would like you to leave right this second <laughs>
2: But also, like, this actually I brings up something my, really interesting. Kind of my favorite. I appreciate the yeah, honesty. I'm into it because I feel like I heard someone, like, someone, when we were telling the story the other day, someone was like, can you imagine? Like, the staff should know all about their NB, like, you know, in favor of it. And I'm like, they're probably making, like, 16 bucks an hour. Like, no offense, but are they really supposed to be, like your brand ambassador with their whole blood and being like it's kind of so I kind of dig this guy he's keeping it really real and I respect that well
0: he has to find something on the menu that he can at least recommend there has to be one fair, one fair. thing that he can be like so this is really good like so actually last fair night enough. I went to a restaurant and um had a similar thing but it wasn't it was it was that way. Like, so I was gonna order these, um, uh, the, this these chicken tacos, and the server was like, "Just to let you know, the chicken
1: chicken's really dry today."
0: And I was like, <laughs> "I
1: love that." I was like,
0: "Thank you," and I respected that so much more. And so I and like, at least
1: and hopefully, yeah. hopefully. And I guarantee this guy could have because I actually eventually tasted something in the menu that I was actually it was really nice. Um, but hopefully you can find something that you're like actually, but this. If you're going to go here, try this. You know, I would love somebody who walks in and like you have made. I don't want them to just say you have made a terrible decision by coming in here and you should turn your life around right now. Yeah, your life has gone downhill. Do a life of drugs and crime. Um, you know, but the I want them to be able to go. Look, chicken's dry
2: fair and i'm going to i'm, going to, I'm going
1: to point you to but he is kind of a hero i kind of love I, him
2: he's keeping it so real like i, I want to smoke a joint with him like i just <laughs> i feel like we're just
1: like kindred souls that, that's it i know so the, the realest waiter in san diego i ran across i love it it's, it's awesome
2: um well there's some good news from the south bay mm-hmm.
0: yes we do have some good news from the south bay because we always love seeing new restaurants opening up butcher plate is coming in on market on 8th
2: So they're actually going to be part of Taste of South Bay. They're going to be at our event on the 25th down at, uh, what is it, Silver Point or... or Novo
1: Brazil. Novo Brazil at NIB. That's all right. You got it. You're gonna be I there. It was close. It was you really close. A lot of words. Call me day up when you're halfway there and you're lost. I'll get you there.
2: <laughs> I know where it is. I just don't know what it's called. But I could get there with that direction. Okay. All so right. So that's that's pretty good. Um. So yeah, it just opened. Market on Eighth. There's a whole lot of new vendors coming and going. Um. This is rotisserie meats. Apparently they are ethically sourced. That's what I'm told. And I am also told that they have a quote unquote insane porchetta sandwich, which I actually don't know where else you could get one of those in the county right now. So that's definitely a good snack.
1: Yeah, you, somebody, somebody cross-check um, us and see if you can still get one at um I guess um, me as a food writer, I was probably the person that should pro- cross-check that. But um, yeah, well, okay. Uh, you know what? I'm going to go do my job this week. <laughs> How about I'm, uh, you cross-check? I- I'm right? going to go find if I can get a, <laughs> a porketta sandwich anywhere else in San Diego. But um, yeah, uh, butcher's table? Butcher's plate. butcher's plate. Butcher's plate. Butcher's plate. I keep
2: calling it butcher's block, and it's not. It's okay. butcher's plate.
1: There is a butcher... With a, <laughs> with a plate, light, a surface <laughs> <laughs> in front of them.
2: And he's going to serve you meat.
1: And he's going to serve you meat. But this is from the duo that did Bica, um, that has done Bica, which is little cafe in Portuguese. Um, in Normal Heights? In Normal Heights, I believe it is. Yep. Yeah, normal height. So um, Bika's got a good reputation. Um, so these guys doing going into National City. There is some turnover going on, and market on 8th. We're kind of looking into it right now because I understand there's new new ownerships, and we're gonna kind of get a get a scope of what's actually what's going on over there. Uh, but yeah, these guys are gonna be at our event. Um, go check it out. New places. I've been wanting to
0: do Bika for my two people, 50 bucks for like ever. But every time I go there, it is flipping packed.
2: Oh, no it's way.
0: always full. So they're definitely doing really good business. So they, uh, I'm hoping that this place down there. will would be pretty good too. There Do they go.
2: have the egg custards, the Portuguese egg custards?
0: I don't know because I haven't Oh, gone that's in. right. <laughs> right.
2: Sorry. Silly me. Well, update us someday. I will, I
0: will find out. Maybe that will be my goal this weekend is to go to Bika. But so. All right. Just like any quality reality television show, we have a San Diego restaurant breakup.
2: Amberly... <laughs> we met. Am I saying her name correctly? Amberly, we met.
1: I'm not really sure. A very good mm. San Diego sushi chef yes. who did very well yes. in Austin, Texas. Yes. Amberly, we do know, is is her first name, was signed on.
2: And uh, she was signed on to Hasekura, and she's parted ways with, with the restaurant that is still planning on opening. It's going to be open above fish scots. Also, plans on sourcing some of its fish from Tommy Gomes and Tuneville. So, Hasekura will continue to open. Amberly also says she has a full sushi chef. A sushi restaurant apparatus that she's ready to bring on a partner for, ready to go as long as someone has a space for it, ready to open. So they're both going their separate ways. She is intending to still open. Hasekora is definitely still opening, but we don't have an update on who will be stepping into that role. So this is a breakup. This is a breakup. This is a breakup. Um,
1: This is look. I actually talked to Pablo, who's the Pablo um, uh, Becker owns Fish Guts, and he's done a really good job with that place. God, if you have not been down there, you got to go down and get the blackened uh, white fish. I believe it rotates all. The time his episode was great we should uh, link to that yeah we'll link to his episode here it was it was really really good uh, but uh, upstairs there's this tiny little like place where he's gonna do an omakase only Hasekura is the name of it and he was um, partnered with Amberly I talked to him and he's like no it didn't it didn't work out we decided to, you know to kind of go separate ways so he is still going to do Hasekura um, he's looking for a sushi chef right now so anybody out there who may be in the industry a if you are looking if you are a sushi chef who is looking for a new spot that is to go talk to Pablo down at fish guts and if you are a o- operator who wants a very good sushi chef to partner with on a new concept amber lee is a free agent we wish them both very well
2: we're doing the fish lonely hearts here at san diego magazine a- absolutely so if you need a connection we got you <laughs> fish only
1: fishers only mm-hmm. farmers only fishers only Sorry.
2: Only. That would be the most ridiculous dating site ever. Could you imagine? Oh, yeah. Like grizzled fisherman. <laughs> Ab-
1: absolutely. I bet it exists.
2: I would it join to. it just ever... to check it out.
1: I'm a, I'm a four hook guy. <laughs> yep, there's, there's a lot, look at this. Yes,
0: um, there's a, this is maybe slightly off topic, but so on Howard Stern, they always do this segment called Flirty Gary, who, like Gary <laughs> DeLibate, who's yeah, the, uh, so he is the uh, producer of the Howard Stern show for the last 40 years or so. But so they find all of these random dating apps, and then he has phone calls with them where he just uses the worst pickup it's lines so ever. Funny. And they dig it, they eat it up. It's amazing. It's
2: the most brutal, <laughs> it's so funny. Howard Stern's my favorite. Yes, Baba Booey. All right. Hey you, now, you guys are kind of one of the same brain. I, oh yeah, totally. We, lo- we, both, well, we like the same well, music. Yep, same music. Yeah.
1: Same uh, mm. same radio same food program. generally. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah.
2: East coast, you know.
1: Yeah,
0: but, wow. I never really realized how much we have in common. I know we do have a lot in common.
2: It's true. <laughs> it's pretty we cool. both we work both, here.
0: We both.
1: Yeah, we're
2: both, both on Santa. the podcast. Wow.
1: Jeez, like are we? Are you? <laughs> are you not, not not if you keep going. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, All right, how about we go to uh, a legendary TJ Taco spot is now opening its legendariness in Chula Vista.
2: This happened last week, Las Ahumaderas, which is one of the famous original taco spots of TJ. It's in Chula now, which is really excited on Broadway. Um, It took 26 months to open due to COVID delays. And my favorite part about the whole thing, because they're going to do it like they do at the TJ spot. You know, they've got the lines for the chicken, for the adobada. They're very famous for their adobada. It's his grandma's recipe. Um, You know, they've got the cabeza, the this, the that. They are also going to debut a short sushi menu.
1: That is wild.
2: It's the craziest thing I've ever heard. I know. When, when have you ever seen a sushi menu at a Tijuana taco spot? I love that. I'm obsessed with it, and I can't wait to pick it out. And I actually, yeah. I'm going to write a whole article about it. I,
1: I, I know. Well, well, I guess because, because raw fish, obviously, you know, you want somebody that is, that is a, well, Look, at the end of the day, the Mexican culture is steeped in ceviches. Yep. It's steeped in raw fish. So, I mean, they, they know exactly what and they're doing. It makes the Mexican,
2: sense. Um, mm-hmm. Especially in Tijuana, especially in Baja, like the Mexican-Japanese sushi fusion thing right now Absolutely. is so big. And you can find it everywhere in the South Bay. All the little sushi spots down there have a Hawaiian um, influence or, a, you know, like a Mexican influence. And like there's a lot of fusion in the sushi 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 scene in particular in the South Bay and a lot of it is that Mexican fusion they just like they're doing their own things with raw fish in sushi yeah. style. It's so cool.
1: Yeah, so I, I, this is obviously, Anthony Bourdain went down there famously um, you know, in Tijuana. I have got, I went down there years and years ago when I was doing a, I think it was 2013 when I did the Baja Moment um, story for San
2: Diego Mag. 2014. I Do- remember it because it was the first thing I read when I moved here. Oh, no shit. Yeah, it was Whoa. one of my favorite things I ever read and convinced me I wanted to write for the magazine I, I, I someday. I actually it. wrote a really embarrassing email to the magazine saying, like, I know you have Troy Johnson, but I would like to read Write for food, too, if you ever have room. No one wrote back to me because it was a psychotic email for a young writer to send, and I had no idea what I was doing. But yeah, that, I, 2014, you're welcome.
1: So, but it was, obviously, it's classic. It really set up, you know, uh, market style. Uh, I think they're going to do like, a little bit of the same thing. It's a different owner. Uh, uh, it is, uh, you know, it's the original...
2: El Poblano is the name of the the chain that they have exactly. here, right? Yeah,
1: yeah. So they're they're basically kind of I hope they become the crack shack mm-hmm. of, you know, of Mexican taco joints. I mean, Every there's so many great um, taco shops in hey, b- both in South Bay and Tijuana. I would love to see them kind of do the crack shack model in San Diego. Launch like send twenty of like the Whoa. like classic Mexican taco shops, but done with really really good food. I mean,
2: I was promised taco trucks on every corner, and yeah. I, I have not gotten it. So. Yeah, we
1: have failed you miserably.
2: Yeah, I was promised taco <laughs> trucks on every corner. She came hasn't from New happened. York. It's been years now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's get it. A- Let's no, get it going. Las know. Ahumaderas.
1: All right. Yeah. Las oh, ah, ahum, ahumaderas. 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 Las Ahumaderas in um, Chula Vista. Chula Vista again is growing. Uh, you again read the read the issue. We've um, got
2: more Chula Vista news, actually.
0: Yes, we do. And these are my favorite kind of events. I mean, other than like our San Diego magazine, like best mm-hmm. of events, or you know, our Taste of South Bay. I love the ones where you just walk down the streets and you just try every single restaurant. I don't care. Like, I have a whole method. My goal is to hit every single spot. I have plans where I don't eat the carbs and I only eat the proteins and the vegetables and the fruits and I save them the carbs for the end. I do that, too. Yes. But so Chula Vista is having their Taste of
1: Third event. I love the methodology of what you guys do this. You're like, yeah, do not sink yourself with the carb. They, they load you up on bread, and then you can't eat 47 restaurants.
2: It's, it's, it's like it's, the bread course at a fine dining restaurant. It, That's where they nail you. Yeah,
1: or, or going out to a, a fancy uh, Vegas buffet. Mm-hmm. So, Jackie... What is this event?
2: Downtown Third Avenue. I am going to kick it to you in a second because you are our resident (laughs) Third Ave expert now. Troy just wrote a really gorgeous, glowing feature about the realities and the past, present, future of Third Ave, which is coming into its own. Um, This is kind of an open house, um, you know, taste taste of Third Ave. Sorry, what the no, you're is all good. it called? Yeah, Taste of Third Ave. Okay, That's sorry. It. I, you're, you're I all thought good. I was making that name we, up. We,
1: we got a lot of things going on.
2: I thought I was making that name up. Anyway, yeah, Taste of Third Ave. It's kind of like an open house for, for Chula Vista's downtown now. And so all of the restaurants, there's going to be a passport that guests can have. There will be live music. You can go in and out, beers, yada, yada, yada. It's, it's a block party. Yeah, I mean,
1: if you haven't been down to Third Third Ave in a, lo- in a while or never been down to Third Ave, you got to go down there and check it out. The They... Two interesting things of what they what has happened in that area. Um, over they spent 12 years and 14.1 or 14.2 million dollars redoing that downtown. I mean, this is this started late 1800s, early 1900s. It was built by there was a land developer who wanted to grow lemon trees. They figured out that it was a perfect climate for lemons, and that's why there's a lemon festival in Chula Vista for still to this and day.
2: Probably why there's a lemon grove,
1: mm-hmm. probably why there's a Ooh. lemon. If grove I had to well. guess, yeah. So they I mean they were the lemon capital of the world. No no other spot on the world grew more lemons. They had a train going down 3rd Avenue that would go the to lemon the lemon train. lemon pa- packing plant and would just smell <sighs> like Lysol like, or, like organic free-range Lysol. It would just smell like that going down. Can you imagine with the limoncello? The, <laughs> yes, um, I can totally imagine it. It I know. sounds amazing. So the um, it started there and then during the wartime it shifted down in Chula Vista because somebody learned how to make a B-24 bomber and that person was called Roar Industries and they took over all of the lemon and um, employees and workers and they all worked on building bombs to destroy a Nazi's day. And then... Um, that basically, like, I basically built the downtown Chula Vista um, neighborhoods. You know, all the workers had to have homes, so it just kind of grew and grew and grew. From there, Third Avenue was the place where they all came together. They spent the last 12 years rebuilding that thing for $14.1 million. It's it's really nice and it's cute and it's got that cultural history. It's a very, you know, heavily awesome. Hispanic neighborhood. It's one of the centers of our thriving Hispanic community. And so, but they opened it or they, they unveiled their $14.1 million um, renovation right when COVID hit. You know, so I mean, terrible. They finished it on time and with terrible, terrible timing. So now that it's obviously, and obviously we're still in a pandemic, but we're not in that part of the pandemic. Um, You know, now that they really can like have people back and have these businesses thriving again. Now you get one night we get to walk down and sample 25 different restaurants. There's a lot of new blood. There's a lot of old blood. There's a lot of like history there. There's a lot of future, so go check it out. Taste it Third Ave on the 21st of March. 21st of March. Our party's four days later than the 25th.
0: Nope, our party nope. is not Our not party is not at all then. <laughs> our party is a month
1: earlier. <laughs> Actually.
2: <laughs> but good news, you can go to both. Yeah, so exactly. I just fired
1: myself from this podcast. <laughs> In
0: non-South Bay news, we have uh, Oceanside. This is pretty exciting also because I feel like there's been a lot of breweries closing, which is like un. I hate it. Uh, we have Northern Pi- Northern Pine Brewing Co. opening up.
2: In Oceanside. Um, it's run by Anne and Aaron Ortega, who are the co-founders of Northern Pine Brewing Co. And it is an Idaho-inspired restaurant, which... I'm going to be totally honest with you guys. I have absolutely no idea what that means. It's going
0: to be all like stuffed ba- potatoes. Like, that's what I feel like it's like. they going to be a loaded, like it's true? a potato bar or something like where you can choose like what you want for toppings. Like, I want my broccoli, bacon, and my melted cheddar or something like I'm, that.
2: I'm inclined to think it's going to be really creative because um, Ann and Aaron brought on exec chef Lucas Marrera, who was previously at DJ and that was a very creative. DJ
1: Marva, Mara, Mara yeah. with it,
2: Filled with flavor. So I'm thinking whatever it is in Idaho that they're doing, he will be bringing out the flavor from it.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, obviously, it looks pretty stereotypically. You know, all we know about Idaho is that it is potatoes, they're and it's there. <laughs> we know a, that it's there. There is a lot. There are a lot of potatoes. There. Is it squeaky cheese too, or is that just
0: Wisconsin? That's Wisconsin. That's Wisconsin. Wisconsin. <laughs> I know. I wasn't sure if it kind of they do. That way We're the worst, you guys. We're like <laughs> I know. I <Coast>,
1: know <laughs> the coastal Idaho nightmare. does have a good freshwater fish market. I do know that. Oh, you know, so like trouts and that. And I'm sort sure of
2: game thing. hunting. A- and abs- there. Oh, Boise has a very thriving bass. Basque food restaurant scene, Basque social club, Basque restaurant scene. Basque food is actually thriving okay. there and has been for decades. And I, I know that. I, and I'm not
1: going to pretend like I know what exactly Idaho's uh, food scene is, but that's a really nice little insight. I do know that they serve trout. I knew that uh, huckleberries grow there. Ooh, um, so I think we kind of figured it we're out. We're all going to go experience it together, all right? So everybody, like run thing. up. And what, what is the name of the restaurant?
2: We said it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus. Oh, jeez. I already forgot. This is why
1: Friday
0: afternoons aren't good.
2: <laughs> no, it's really good. We were good up until this point. It's called Northern Pine Brewing Company, which is also the same name. As the brewing company, okay.
1: So Northern Pine Brewing Company, go up there, but let's, let's go experience Idaho together, everybody. Idaho. I don't know why I decided to do that. It was very weird and it was awkward. I'm glad I just. Well, made. Jackie's losing her shit right now. We might have you. We might have you singing a little bit more on an episode coming up pretty soon here. It
2: was so good, voice of an angel.
0: Yeah, it was pretty nice might be Sarah having Sarah Troy do some karaoke on a podcast coming up uh, wait can that we is do a, a San
2: Diego Magazine subscribe commercial with you being Sarah McLaughlin in the dog commercial please 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 just do petting, this for me just petting David <laughs> this, is, this is this is all I've ever needed in my life please I will do anything to make this a reality I'll pay for it I don't even care
0: I just want to see the visual of you
2: petting me I'm like, <laughs> in the <laughs> arms of for just $10 a year you too can save a bunch of San Diego Magazine employees (laughs)
3: oh my god oh my god that's brilliant
1: okay so we have a new ad campaign for san diego magazine thank you guys at home for dealing for, for bearing with us um it is going to be well sung or or sung at least um and now and now we're moving on yes and we will be having a karaoke
0: podcast coming up soon actually that is a little spoiler alert little teaser more details to come but uh that is your news for this week um We put up a blog post on the website. It's now going to be on Mondays or Tuesdays, one of those two, depending on if it's a holiday weekend. All right, let's get into it. Yes, but uh, we also want to remind you, while we've been talking about South Bay the whole time, and we've alluded to it, Taste of South Bay is on the 25th of 2024 at Novo Brazil Brewing.
2: The 25th of 2024, huh? Yep.
0: (laughs) Of
1: February, <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's been it's been
1: a long week, guys. dude. This, it's <laughs> been Honestly, a long guys, week. I, I want you guys. I, know, <laughs> I hope I hope you guys at home. And I, I, you know, I want to I want to try and speak softly for you guys. I realize that when I speak really loud, it's really annoying. Uh, but the but the um, I want you guys at home to realize that, that we've shifted recording to Fridays and after, afternoon because it needs to be more like a happy hour. And I hope that you have understood the looseness of this episode and the the vague the vague mental instability that kind of Five. you know that kind of incurs around 3 p.m. at at, at on a Friday at San Diego Magazine you're either welcome or we're sorry <laughs> All right. So our guest today, um, I've known this man for since I started writing about food uh, 27,000 years ago in San Diego. Um, he was one of the more, um, you know, f- uh, fearful. Or, I mean, I was I was fearful of him um, because he had such a good pedigree. And you, if you know this guy, you know, he can look at you. And he's actually a really tender, sweet guy that I've not got to know him. But I mean, you look at him and he you know he's just got like a countenance that you, you're like, is he going to strangle me around the neck? Or are we going to have a really good time and go surfing together? <laughs> and it turns out I, I discovered the latter in him, but I was fearful. Of him for you many, many years. He's one of the most accomplished chefs in San Diego. Um, he was named Food and Wine's best, uh, one of the top 10 best new chefs in 1998 yes 1998 yeah. when he was working for one of the most beautiful men that ever graced the history of the celluloid um, Robert Redford's Sundance Resort correct correct okay all right um, he was born in Hawaii um, kind of made his way through San Francisco made his way through all, all the kitchens La Folie mm-hmm. uh, La Folie then went back um, to work at a really really fancy fancy resort in Hawaii and then after he went to Robert's uh, Redford's Sundance Resort was named one of the best chefs in the country. He was made an offer that he couldn't refuse and San Diego has been better off of, off it for 40 years because George's at the Cove has been around for 40 years. This man has not oh. been there, every single one of them, but he did become a partner, and he has helped lead the food scene in San Diego for the last, how many years have you been there, 27, I'm guessing. They're right around there, yeah. 26. 27 years at the same kitchen. Of, oh, you've kind of evolved, actually. Now that you're in the front of the house, you're kind of running the thing. Everybody, welcome to the podcast, Trey Fauché. How Thank you? you very much for having me on. Ooh. Absolutely. All right. 40 freaking years, man. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? <laughs> oh, I ran into a guy
4: in the in the gym this morning that has adult kids and said he met his wife at the restaurant.
1: Oh, I'll bet. Yeah. You know, you you basically give birth to gen- multiple generations of foodies in San Diego. Yep. you know uh, well, okay so g- let's go walk back a little bit w- why did you come to San Diego I mean obviously you're from Hawaii that makes a lot of sense because we have a very similar culture um, but you had gone over to different cities you'd seen San Francisco which apparently is way more sophisticated and wears m- way more turtlenecks than we do um, <laughs> you went to the Sundance Resort you know I mean you had that which seems like a pretty fantastic gig it was you know and you were at what was the name and I'm gonna I, I would butcher it because it's in a beautiful Hawaiian language what was the name of the resort that you were at in Hawaii the Manalani. the Man- Monolani. Yeah, okay, on that the wasn't, big Island. wasn't as hard as I thought. Yeah. Okay, so the Monolani, which is one of the uh, nicest resorts on the planet, you know, why did you decide to come to San Diego? Was I mean, wh- and what did you see in George Howard, who is the you know creator namesake of the restaurant? What made you do it? He's a very convincing gentleman. If you've ever met George,
4: <laughs> um, he's one of the most well-respected restaurateurs um, in San Diego and all of California, I would say. Uh, he knows the business inside and out, and he's very strategic in the way he looks at the business and has always run the business. Mm-hmm. And so when he was looking for a chef, uh, at the time, San Diego didn't have a lot of, you know, chefs that were known outside of San Diego, right? Yeah. And I had just gotten that award. And so he, he went after me with a vengeance and, and, uh, and pulled me dragging away from Sundance. I, know, I would imagine. Yeah, we were really happy there. We just bought a house and settling in and we loved it up there in the mountains
1: oh you just put in roots yeah yeah oh oh, so he came with a really good offer oh yeah well partnership okay that's it right I mean so and what was tr- uh, you obviously came out to George's at the time what was George's at the time now this would have been obviously 27 years ago you're stepping mm-hmm. foot in there for the first time it is the icon of La Jolla it's perching if you've never been to George's it is obviously on prospect and it overlooks the water and it's a beautiful location it's kind of got the catbird seat and one of the nicest places for yep. dining in the city yeah what was your first impression
4: we went we had lunch at the bar it was packed it was the middle of summer and I mean there was there was lines everywhere to get into that restaurant. Um, and then we had lunch on the on level two and then we had dinner downstairs and honestly, I mean I was very impressed by the business of the restaurant. Yeah, you know the the food had kind of Stagnated a little bit downstairs, sure. especially it was a little bit dated and so I knew that I could come in and contribute a lot pretty quickly Yeah um, but the business is there, right? I mean, the restaurant is very successful, has been very successful all these years. We we haven't had down years. We have always either been you know, flat or up. Yeah. So um, I, I know enough about the business to know that that doesn't happen without a lot of effort. And the people that were behind that restaurant, meaning George and at the time Mark Oliver, were running the place like You know like good
1: restaurateurs a business which is one of the hardest things to do in the restaurant industry we hear about the best chefs in the world the most creative people the best the best designers opening up this beautiful place or opening up a great tasting place but have zero ideas about an ebitda or the bottom line and they run it into the ground
4: right and that's i think one of the things that really set us apart is that we had you know i brought the creative side so we had the creative juices and then we had we already had the structure you know the financial structure of the restaurant built and and that still is the same case today. I think that, you know, we're still creative. I think the restaurant's better than it's ever been. And mm-hmm. and I think sometimes, you know, those those legacy restaurants don't get as much attention because we're not new and we're not shiny, but you know what? We're putting our foot, one foot in front of the other every day, making ourselves better every day, every year, year after year, for 40 years. And I can honestly say that the food's better now than it's ever been.
1: See, and you're not even in the kitchen. That says a lot. Correct. Yep. It, it, we'll get to that in a second. The. Uh, the constant reinvention of something that's been around a long time for me is harder than a launch. You know, it is easy to make a splash. It's harder to continue waves. You know, I, it's easy to do it once. It's hard to do it every year. Right? Every year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. So how do you do that? I mean, I, I, did you, I, I, actually, I know this, I'm, I'm asking a question that I facetiously know myself, you know, I know how much that, that you traveled, mm-hmm. that you sent your chefs traveling, that yeah. you made them experience things, you know, and get outside of the San Diego bubble and get outside of the comfort zone and bring new things back. You've made yeah. them hunt and gather.
4: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, Masa just spent last year, we sent him to France for two weeks, Oh wow! Um, I think that I think one of the things that sets us apart is we do a strategic plan, which you know businesses do, but restaurants don't tend to do. So we we literally sit down once a year, away from the restaurant usually, and tear it apart. Like what? And we have three buckets: people, product, and environment. So yeah. we look at people, like what can we do to make things better, both for our employees and for our guests. Yep. Product. What can we do? Because that's what we do, right? We sell product. What can we do on that to make us a better restaurant, more financially responsible restaurant, maybe a better for the environment? Restaurant like we we go through all those all those details, and then environment, which is are we clean and well maintained? Are we uplifting? Mm-hmm. Do, you know, is it is it? Do you walk in there thinking, oh, this restaurant's kind of it's been around for a while, or does it feel like you know somebody's really taking care of the place and it's and it's up updated? And so we've just. We just finished a complete remodel of the kitchen and the bathrooms, um, and then in the fall of this
1: year, uh, we're gonna close down and redo the terrace entirely. You know, you know it's, uh, I, well, there's a lot of things that were very important in that conversation. Um, but one of them is the bathrooms. And I'd like to speak about this because it's a personal <laughs> I Anytime I go into a restaurant and if you go, I don't care what kind of food that you're making. I don't care how good it is. I don't care if David Chang is, is, is served sitting on the table telling you how to eat it with me it is if you go into the restroom and it is a piece of garbage and it is like things are everywhere things aren't really clean and it's like my entire experience is ruined right
4: Is well, it, is anybody it that's been to George's is going gonna, is gonna to be chuckling a little bit because we have we have a very difficult bathroom situation. We have a very that small... That is a
2: kind p- way of putting it from yeah. all the men in the room. Yeah. We, we
4: have a, a men's room that's on the middle floor that's very small, and we have a woman's room that's on the bottom floor. So everybody that's eating on the terrace has to come down two flights of stairs to use the restroom. So we, we are by by no means a perfect situation, but yeah. we, do, we do do our best, and we just spend a bunch of money making them better. Okay. Um, well, it's got
1: to be hard because that's an old building. You can't yeah. just, like, rip the guts out and start anew, right? Exactly. Without spending $20,000, yeah. $20, 000, $20 right. million. Dollars. Right. The, okay, so this year, I'll get back to the, the hardcore self-analysis. This year, what mm-hmm. was yours? What did you suck on? What were you great on? You meaning, like, you're like, all right, got to stop that or we got to fix that. And we, we did really, really well on that. We've done a couple of things. Th- um, this last year,
4: meaning 2023, yeah. right? Um, we combined our two bar programs Previously, we had a different bar program in level two and on the Ocean Terrace, and we combined them because it just wasn't really working. The people that came into level two weren't really looking for mix, you know, the whole mixology thing is kind of, you know, I don't know if it's gone, but it's definitely not as, you know, as big as it was, you know, pre-COVID, right? And so people want a good, solid, well-made cocktail. And so we kind of went, we kind of toned down our bar
1: programs a little bit and just made them more classic cocktails. Yep. And and made them the same on both floors. That's really interesting. I want to unpack that a little bit And I think that maybe um, Jackie and David you can contribute to this as well, but the I think Well, it was because cocktails had sucked for so long, (laughs) you know, that when mixology or that movement, the craft cocktail movement happened, everybody felt the need to put on a show and really go deep and, you know, and you guys went deep. I remember you were taking local seaweed and putting it into ice cubes and then branding George's on it, which I'm sure you still do some of that, you know, but everybody went so deep and I guess because it's no longer new. You know, you just make, you know what? No, just keep it really, really good. Yeah. You know, and we don't need to make a whole dog and pony show out of it,
4: right? Concentrate on the basics.
0: I can imagine some of it is also just like some of those like super involved craft cocktails take a really, really long time to make. Yeah, <laughs>
2: and They're expensive. Yeah, a, yeah, they are. Those like, ingredients are expensive. They're also, expensive? do people want to be challenged by drinks? Right. I have to admit, I'm down to be challenged by a meal. I, I love it, I love thinking about it, but my drink is a supporting component of that. And even if it's an amazing <laughs> bottle of some rare Bordeaux, it's still a supporting component, right? I, and I agree. Yeah, I don't know. I want it to go with it. I want it enhance it I don't know that I want to think about it too much
4: yeah and you and you know and, and you're not gonna I guess the I don't go out for cocktails specifically but I if I go out I'll have a cocktail
2: yeah right that's mm-hmm. a good point that's a good point I'm never like ooh, you know what that I really need great, now great a recipe. really fancy cocktail that I have no idea what's in it but to that point off of the great cocktail revolution. There is nary a place in this country you can go where you can't get a good Negroni, a yep. good martini. That is the result of it, and that's objectively a good thing. But I agree, like, the classics are a classic for a reason, and I think people just like to drink what they like to drink. And yeah. the bottom floor
1: became the former top floor. Right. You know, that that was really it. They just raised the bar on almost everything, right? Uh. You know, I mean that, like, the basis of cocktails got so much better because of the craft cocktail yes. revolution. Yes, agreed, 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 right. agreed. yeah. Yeah, yeah. The, and what? Okay, so when you came here in the nineties, I mean, uh, t- tell me. I know that there was no big name chefs. I know that there was. I grew up in San Diego. There was, you know, there was like the Boathouse, Mr. A's, and and a Chili's, you know, or an Applebee's. I don't even know <laughs> if Chili's was around yet. To be quite honest, it was Bob's Big Boy. <laughs> Milflur was around. Floor was around. That's yeah. right. Yeah. But both of those, two of those, were owned by Bertron. Yeah. Um. You know, but what was it like? I mean, and was it great for you as a chef? Because honestly, you were the only game. Not you, only game in town. But there was just not as much game in town. Well, to be honest, I mean, I, w-
4: I was the chef at Rock and Wagner up in Santa Monica back in the day, and, and we would, you know, I heard about Chino Farms, you know, back you know, back when Shape and East was like, you know, talked about a lot, um, and Wolfgang was going down. Um, we started driving down, and once a week, getting product from Chino. And so, coming to San Diego, that was a really big part of, uh, of I won't say it's, it was a really big fringe benefit, right? It's not the reason yeah. why I came down here, but boy, I knew about that farm. Mm-hmm. I knew it was going to be close. It's one of the reasons why we looked at North County to to settle down because it's on my way to work. I can just stop off at the farm. And having them in your backyard is just a really special thing. And back then, you know, Martin was going there. Martin from Milfler was yeah. going there. And he was kind of the only guy in town that was... Making the commitment to build a relationship with them and mm-hmm. and to get product from them, and so I I already had the relationship from being in LA and coming down every week. They knew me, and I just stepped in and just started using their product. And that's just from a chef's perspective. It's it's a it's a, just such a game changer. And <laughs> you see you see a lot more chefs now going there. It's still remarkably s- small amount. Yeah. But um, but you know Jason Nib still goes there, and and Travis from Cali goes there. You know a little bit and. You're seeing more, you know, the chefs that are, that are, you know, taking that, the ingredient seriously, you have to go there.
1: I mean, you can't not go there. Two things on that. Um, the first one is it's such a San Diego thing that people from the outside of San Diego come to you and tell you what's cool about your city <laughs> You're like, Gu- guys we live here let's find it ourselves yep. you know it, it's like I, I always go back to when I wrote about music and there was a band named P.O.D. and whether or not you like P.O.D. Is, is, that's your own druthers I think they're <laughs> sweet human beings and I love some of their music but they got made a million records sold a million records before they even got their first gig in San Diego because nobody wanted to put them on you know on on a guest list You're like I don't, I don't quite understand it right. Chino Farm being the same way Alice Potter comes down, uh, Wolfgang Puck come, comes down, and nobody from San Diego was actually coming down. It was one of the most <laughs> famous farms in the in California. Yeah. At the birthplace, it was the farm and the farm to table movement. I yeah. mean, modern. You know,
4: there was a they they do a, a private event once a year, and I, I'll I'll just leave it at that. And I was uh, invited to it one year, and and uh, I I go pretty much every year. But I went to this one. This you know it must have been in the or like early or mid nineties, and um, and Alice was there, Wolfgang was there. Uh, 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 Nancy Silverton and Mark were there wow. um, there was um, a bunch of uh, what's there were a bunch of um, like food writers like uh, it was like like if somebody dropped a bomb on this farm right now like yeah. it would be a it'd be <laughs> you know, it'd be a big deal <laughs> right, right and so right. I, I was just you know I was just like stand, standing there Sunday morning like looking around just going wow you know like nobody knows these people are even in town I know
1: why is, we actually just did a, if you guys are listening now and you want to um, hear what uh, what Trey is uh, talking about, we did a great um, photo essay, and I say great because I didn't do it. But there's a, <laughs> there a phenomenal um, food photographer and local San Diegan who grew up around food, Eric Wolfinger, um, who did a, a phenomenal um, photo essay, and it was actually the cover of our issue, I think, in November? October? No,
2: it was our September um, plant based issue, Sep- our, our green environment plant based issue, September.
1: In September, yeah. Go go check that out. Why is Chino so good?
4: Well, number one, the stuff's picked the day it's sold. Yeah. And, you know, even farmers markets aren't usually like that, sure. right? You know, you, they're usually picked at least the day before um, because you're there early in the morning. So the Chinos start, you know, when it's dark out. And so they're harvesting stuff and they sell it in the stand the day of, and that's it. Food um,
1: degrades the second you pick second it out of the you, ground. Right. You know. It's, and
4: I mean, good husbandry, they take care of the, you know, the ground, the earth that they have. Um, they plant varieties that are interesting and yeah. full of flavor. Um, and and it's really, it's the combination of those two things. You know, Tom's knowledge about how to get the best flavor out of vegetables, which, yeah. you know, I can't speak to, but it sure happens. <laughs> sure. And then the, the real fact is, like, the corn that you get there... Um, on Mondays picked Monday morning, you know, yeah. and that's just that's just a huge difference I think you
1: might have answered the question but you you've been going there for I mean, i even longer than 27 years because mm-hmm. you were going there when you were in Santa Monica But what is your thing that you look forward to every year? Is it the tiny little strawberries that they come out with every single year? Is it the corn? Is it what is the tray photo fo- You're like, oh, it's back for me. It's corn and tomatoes. Yeah. I mean when when you
4: have the first tomato, the first Chino tomato of the year, and it's just like you, you, you have forgotten how good they are, uh-huh. you know, because you haven't had them for a while, and then all of a sudden you bite into one, and you're just like, holy mm. cow. Like, that's, like, you're eating other tomatoes throughout the rest of the year, right? And you kind of get used to that. And then you go there, and you're like, holy cow, this is This is what a tomato is. It's yeah.
1: yeah. actual easy. flavor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Can you remember checking can you remember the like first time you bit into a tomato that was actually a tomato because again We have since Nixon, you know said get, get big or get out to the American farm system we, we got away from local farms. We got away from good healthy biodynamic soil and we just re- re- Reduce it to MBK and then everything had no, no freaking flavors surprise surprise. We're picking it out of Florida sand and shipping it across the country But yeah, I remember when I grew my first I and mean, it was really when I grew, you know And maybe it's just because I'm an egotistic son of a bitch, but it tasted amazing. It was the, it was like tasting in a completely different fruit because it, it was, is it,
2: it is actually genetically depending on what you're growing and, and where you got the seeds from it actually is a different fruit sometimes and and the ones that are standardized for mass production are different than the heirloom varieties and like so, so it actually sometimes can be a different fruit. And that is even part of the reason why it tastes better. Like, it, it's just one of those things. It's like when you see a Brussels uh, sprout on the stalk for the first time or a tomato on the vine or, or what have you. You didn't like, even
1: realize that they were growing you're like, oh, on oh Oh, that's on where that
2: comes stocks. from. And then when you eat it, you just think about, yeah, all the other sad tomatoes you had on your salad over the year that, like, they were there and they tasted enough like tomatoes. But then you have that tomato and you're like, oh, I haven't been eating tomatoes at all. My whole life is a sham. Right. So,
4: from a chef's perspective to be able to get your hands on that kind of product and pull it into your kitchen and then do what you do it's it changes the way that you cook because you're not having to coax all this flavor out of stuff it's really the flavors there all you need to do is present it in a way that um that makes sense for for the product really
1: if if cooking in a restaurant is a 40-yard dash you're starting at the 10-yard line Right yeah, farther than that. Yeah, it can be half, and yeah. that goes back to your philosophy. I want to, um, you you said that it's about coaxing the the natural flavors out of ingredients. You know, I know that you tweak it, and we we, we all went through our foam phase. Not while well, I didn't go through my foam phase, but every restaurant that I was eating at <laughs> did go through the foam phase. You know, and and it's fun to tweak, and it's fun to play with molecular gastronomy, it's fun to like bend and tweak food and and everything else. You know, but. When your core seems to be like you know find that really great base ingredient and, and just become its accessory like help it like blow up its volume, crank it to the 11 as a Spinal Tap reference might be
4: well and what's kind of cool is that you know we're doing this Gus Chef series where we're bringing back some alumni this year and I asked them to write you know a short paragraph on what their time at, at Georgia's meant to them mm-hmm. because restaurants telling our own story which all of us have to do you know from marketing perspectives it, sure. it gets boring and we kind of we're like we're too in it right and yeah. so i thought it would be interesting to get the perspective of some guys and girls that have you know that spent a lot of time with us but then you know they've been in la for the last 10 years or they've are in san francisco for the last 15 years or whatever and all of them mention the fact that you know at the time of gels and powders and all those things we were we we played around with some of that stuff but it was always about the flavor and mm-hmm. independently they all mentioned that which you know that makes me proud because yeah. that that influence is important yeah you know and it's in, and it's influenced some people that are out there doing great food mm-hmm. and you know yeah they're they're playing around with the way they want to play around with it but that underlying message of you know does it really taste good is it really does it really taste good yeah,
1: because a lot of times that's not the question that's answered. No, no. It's more about the thought process, right? right? It's a mind game. Yeah. You know, like, okay, fine. This is fun intellectually, but I don't want to eat that thing. Right. I really don't. The I remember one time when I, there was a restaurant in the barrio um, that I got served an entire plate of blue cheese foam. That was, I mean, and that was it. <laughs> I, I, that was the entire plate. Right. Yeah, I was like, I, I... Did you finish it? I, I did not finish <laughs> it. I, I was like, I don't think this is
2: meant to be a standalone component. It was
1: like handing me a car tire and being like, "Hit the
2: freeway." <laughs> That's a good, this brings up a good question, though. What is fine dining? What is it in San Diego, and what do people want out of it? Actually, does I've, it even really exist anymore outside of Addison?
4: I would very much like to hear your guys's opinion on that because, um, as we go into two thousand twenty four, two thousand twenty five, we're we're kind of adjusting some things that we're doing downstairs, and you know, it's really a it's a really big question for me right now because. You know, obviously the the Addisons of the world are, you know, and the French laundries of the world are are fine dining. Sure. But what is everything else? Mm Mm-hmm.
2: And what is everything else at a certain price point, especially if you don't have that service apparatus, you don't have the coursing, if it, you know, if you can order a la carte, does that make it less fine? Does it make... I, well since you're in the hot seat, I think you have to answer first i'm so sorry <laughs> I,
1: I, and that's that, that is a great spotlight. I think we just turn it on to Trey and don't put this on onus on ourselves because he's the master in this room. but I do have an opinion about this after you okay yeah. well I yeah. think I mean it's one of the reasons why we closed california modern after after the pandemic and this is this is news for anybody at, at home who doesn't know this California modern is was is the like um, right when you walk in to to the left I mean this was like the the what you would call fine dining showroom, and right. this was the, this was a show pony. This is where you know you having so much experience and so much repute, and you know so much training, and the chefs under you that have that as well. Where you put every single, you took the highest of ingredients, you did the best tweaking you possibly could of it. You were doing your Michelin st- style food, right? You know yeah, exactly. And, and you decided not to open it. Yeah, yeah, because you know, I mean or sorry to reopen it after
4: first of all you know you got you have two years of you know sitting in your house wondering you know what, what you should be doing right like yeah like you're in the grind you know before that and you and you just you don't you don't question it you just do it because you do it because uh-huh. you're you've always done it and it's what is expected of you with yeah. your name yeah and so when uh when covet hit and we started thinking about fine dining and i was you know i remember calling uh my buddy josiah at malice and saying hey you know like what's the future of fine dining like what's going to happen and he's like if you look throughout history, he's, you know, he's a student of like French cuisine and culture and stuff. And he's like, if you look throughout history, there's always been the fine dining element. It's not gonna go away. It's just gonna <laughs> change and evolve into something else. And so when COVID happened, you know, we like everybody else lost a ton of our staff. Um, and I just couldn't, like we're thinking, okay, now we're able to open. Everybody wants to eat outside. Nobody wants to eat inside. And here we have this room and we don't have the talent to get it to the level that we closed it at, Yeah. right? So sure. I'm going to be reopening a restaurant that's not kind of what it was, and then hopefully scrambling to get it better when we have more staff. And like it just felt like the whole thing just didn't feel right. Oh, you dug into the closet of COVID and found self-awareness. <laughs> I guess. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. <laughs> nice. And so I, I kept looking at the room, and I'm like, this, "It's still a beautiful room, though, you know." And so I, we talked to Jennifer Luce, who's who's the architect for the for that floor, and I said, "You know, could you come in here and make an elegant, like, divide the room up in an elegant way so that we can start doing some private events?" And yeah. when I said private events, I didn't really just mean we've always done like private events, like pharmaceutical dinners and you know birthdays sure. and stuff like that, but And so those are private events, but I also felt like there was an avenue that we could go down at some point that took what we used to be in California Modern, Mm -hmm. you know, or what we used to do with Table 3 experiences and do something that's unique and a little bit smaller and more intimate. Yeah. So she created a, a, a bunch of panels of curtains that really divide the space up into four different. Kind of rooms now. Yeah. So you can either have the middle room, which is the room that we're going to be doing for these Gus chef dinners, which seats like 32, 36, and that's it. It's very intimate. It's very small. Ocean view. Um, and then, like, what else can we do? Like, we have the talent to do anything. Yeah. Like, we're not short on talent. So we're not, we're not short on culinary t- talent. As we sit here today we were we were post everybody was when they came out of the pandemic. sure and so we're just kind of toying around with different ideas and 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 ways of thinking about um and i don't even know if like maybe fine dining maybe that term goes away and it's more i mean i'm not looking at what we're what we're thinking about doing in 2025 is fine dining i'm thinking about it as as creative and unique and something that is fun for us, yeah, which always translates to fun for the guests. Absolutely. Well, it,
1: it, it's the same. Well, a couple thoughts on that. I think you screwed yourself um, because I think that you wanted to shut down California Modern because you realized you didn't quite have the town for it coming out of a global pandemic. But then you created four um, <laughs> California <Right>. Moderns.
2: <laughs> that you had to operate every night. You've right. got four now. Congratulations. <laughs>
4: but you know the difference. I know. I know. What the, you're saying. Th- the difference yeah. is you know having a restaurant opening the doors. And yeah. wondering who's going to come in and what they're going to order. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean those days. I you know they're not over because I mean a lot of people are still doing it, but and we do it upstairs. But yeah. the demand is there upstairs. The the flow is there. Yeah, and when you're talking about something that's a special occasion restaurant, which is how we used we we kind of transitioned into calling it a special occasion restaurant because sure. that's how people were using it. Yeah, they'd come for their anniversary and their birthday and and uh, it it um I don't know like. You open those doors and you just kinda you're you're at the mercy of what happens to you as a business. Yeah. And so by doing events, we know what's happening mm-hmm. in advance. You That's know?
1: true. And you can make a better event. You make better food. You exactly. can make it more thoughtful, the the progression of food. You know, you know. No offense to me or Jackie or David or anybody else, you know, but we walk in there and we're just willy nilly ordering <laughs> off. It's probably not the best shit you've got in the house that day, right? You know, I mean, or I'm sure you always have quality ingredients, you know, and you're, you play, you make your menu based on what is is good out of the earth. So I, that made me that's not an issue, but it's not the uh, the way that you would progress it. And you know, as a chef, like all oh, these flavors would be, go great together. And plus, you're not getting 75 pasta dishes one night. And then 25 ribeyes the next night, right. you know, and co- completely out of something. And they, it's throwing the kitchen off. If you have a focus and a plan, you can execute that to the way their best abilities.
4: Right. And I, you know, I spent a little bit of time. Uh, one of my daughters is is transitioning into the restaurant business. And she did a stage with Josiah at, at Melisse and Citroen.
1: Well, your daughter's working with you now, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my yeah. God. How's that going? Good. Good. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she's.
4: She's worked for us for six years now. Five. She talked back so. to you on, on,
1: on that. No, 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 no. Oh no, 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 I, no, 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 no. You no, no. No.
4: I, I honestly, I stay away. She, she's a host. She's part of the host team, and then she works at Sandpiper a little bit too. Um, I, I don't, I don't manage her. Okay, yeah, you no, know. no, it's, it's best to. Yeah. For so me, no, she, yes, yes, chef, right no, yeah, chef. Yeah, chef, no chef. No, no, no.
1: Um, what was I gonna say? I, I'm sorry. Um, I asked you about like. Um, doing, knowing where you were going um, for planning up maybe? Oh, uh, oh, Malise. Oh yeah, Malise yeah. and Sijin. So, yeah. I was talking to Josiah, and he, you know,
4: he he broke his restaurant into into two parts where he does like a very exclusive. Uh, I think they seat eighteen people or something like that, mm-hmm. and it's it's like a concert. They all have to show up at the same time. They all get coursed out at the same time. They all have the same experience in this little intimate room. And I was talking to him about how it works in the kitchen. He's like, you know, it works. It works great. Because we 're not cooking one little teeny piece of venison, we can do the whole loin, which is how it should be cooked, and then slice and serve you know and it's not it's it's easier, but it's also much better better so it, there's th- all kinds of i mean my brain's just kind of like ju- it's just getting around this whole concept of like where are we 're going to go with this and what we 're going
1: to do, but it, and it's not i I, I don't, sorry Jack Ellie no, no, no. you get an idea too the, that's why we're seeing so many omakase-only restaurants. Mm-hmm. That's why we're seeing only tasting table menu restaurants. It's not because of pretension. It's not because of you know, uh, assuming that you know exactly what the, the, um, the diner wants. It's that you know how your kitchen is going to function best. You pr- people who know your reputation trust the fact that you're getting the best ingredients and that you have the skill set to render them in a, in a really good way. You know, it's like, okay, now let us run. Mm-hmm. Let us plan this out for you and, just, and do it. The, uh, to your point, the tenderloin cooking that whole as it should be done mm-hmm. instead of get, cutting it up drying it out or like losing some of the moisture and risking some of that you know i mean, that's that's a way you get the best possible you know uh, end ingredient I guess. right right yeah.
4: and you know if you're let's say you're doing a risotto course you know you can start that risotto if you know it's course four you know in everybody's having it yeah. you know you can start it at course one and it can be perfect Perfect at course four rather than you know I mean we all know how restaurants operate it's most risottos are not made from scratch and they're best made from scratch so there's a lot of there's a lot of compromises that you make in the kitchen to you know and, and we learn tricks and we the food's still good and but in order to hit at a super high level it's a really cool way of looking at how you do service
2: and not just hitting at a super high level, but for your own creativity and the staff's creativity, this allows you to scratch that fine dining itch yep. in a way that also works for you. So it's, it's, it doesn't just benefit the customers, but you guys get to keep alive, too. I mean, I feel like there's a lot of parallels to the writing process here about, like, when we have to do fun stuff versus when we have to do stuff that we have to do. And it, it comes alive when we're having fun. We know that intimately, so I'm sure it's the same for you guys. Yep,
1: absolutely. Ja- Jackie just wrote a great story about getting tied up. Um, you know, and it was, yeah, it was. It's it was a, a long story. It's a long story and it sounds way more based than it is. It's, it, there's actually a real um, healing art form and, and kind of spiritual um, wellness aspect to uh, bondage. I, I, do we call it bondage? Yes, we okay. call it that. Uh, it, but it was beautiful. She talked about, you know, um, uh, postpartum depression and everything else. And it was just, it was a great, great story. You could tell she liked to write it. Mm-hmm. That she, it meant something to her and it was better. Right. You know, and he, and not to say that her other work wasn't uh, wasn't good, but any of us, it's the same way. I mean, you all know? the creative all the creative fields mm-hmm. are the same. Right? Totally, it's the same. David, when he's singing in, in in this like screamo emo band that he has, <laughs> he has got nine, he's got nine of them. But when you're singing a song yes. that you really like are, are passionate about, you know, you've got your songs that you're like, this one sucks. I my band, my, my my guitarist wrote it. Oh, totally. <laughs>
0: There's those those ones. I'm like, I'm like, no,
1: we're not putting that on the set list ever no. again. <laughs> yeah. But you probably sing it with a little more gusto. You oh, 100 percent. Yeah right um here's my th- my, my philosophy um, about fine dining is I think the pomp and circumstance I think goes out you know I think that's where I think that's where people really and I think it was either a pandemic thing but remember I remember when I went into Le Pigeon in Portland right and here it was two cooks in a Michelin star restaurant I think they have two I'm not sure or maybe it's just one um, you know and they're just they're, they're doing hip hop and they're doing punk rock and they're just cranking out food they're just cooking mm-hmm. and there was something so refreshing about it right there's something at least for me and I think even you see that in our billionaires our billionaires in San Diego especially I mean they wear flip-flops and torn you know, I mean it's not we're not a, a pomp and circumstance co- sort of culture. And I think I think a lot of the United States is kind of catching on to that too. I think a lot of the bells and whistles that used to go along with with a that indicated to you that you were having a night worth having, mm. you know, are no longer necessary for us to have that kind of thing. And I think I think that's where fine dining is just getting less formalized, mm. you know, and less, you know, dun dun dun. You know, and it's like, this is really good, and here's some thought into it. And I think that the servers are getting better, too, at explaining that without go, going on, like, you know, like did, they did their thesis in it. You know, they're like, well, you know, the, the chicken's name was Charlie. You know, he was like, he was a conflicted chicken. He liked goth music. You know, like that. I think that's kind of over, too. They know how to say it without being like, hey, here's the reason why this is really cool is because it was raised on this farm, and here's their practice. You know, mm-hmm. and, and then they kind of let it like that. Yeah. You know, it's not that overperformance of yeah. explaining about food. Yeah. I think everything's kind of hit this, like, casual-inspired middle, you know, where we don't have to have, you know, Citadels. So we don't have to feel like we're eating inside of the Notre Dame. Right. You know, and I think... But part of the
4: creativity goes away with that, too, you know? That's true. And that's why, that's why, you know, we're going to use these, these Gus Chef dinners to kind of learn about how to do this correctly, but the, the word relationship keeps coming up to me because it's... If you're, if you're doing an experience for... Um, you know we're gonna seat 32 people at a time it allows you to have a relationship with the group mm-hmm. rather than you know table 22 is celebrating their 40th anniversary you know table 16 is a business dinner mm-hmm. like how do you have a relationship with a group of people that are all there for very different reasons one of them is expecting you know the French laundry experience one of them is just wants a steak and <laughs> right. you know it's like you're all over the <laughs> map and so if we can if we can kind of curate an experience and then you know it's not going to be for everybody it's not you know we're not going to sell seven hundred a week you know yeah we're we're going to do a very limited amount of 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 these experiences and then you know see how it goes and if people like it and and we can keep doing it it's it's a way for us to be creative and I think you know there's some very creative chefs in town, but I feel like you know the the food is a there's there's a little bit of a lack of like
1: um attention to the basics and details
4: it's not so much that it's like it's it's like they're like surprises, mm-hmm. you know? like going in and, and getting something that you're you're not sure what you're gonna get and yeah. you get it and it blows your mind, Yeah. and uh there's a pl- there's a lot of good food in town, there's better food now than there's ever been,
1: name me a dish that's done that done that for you either recently and or in your past that you were like, oh God, I never knew I- and that that dish changed my life. Oh boy! Now you're gonna put me on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, you're at the gym this morning. You got your endorphins flow- flowing. That that uh, memory is just kicking. You got a Rolodex in there. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I,
4: I I just don't eat that way anymore. I don't I know. like. I don't. Honestly, I don't go out that much. Um, That's the way. Know, I, it. I take trips. So, like, you uh, know, my wife and I were in Spain last year, and we had some crazy, crazy good food. There's a there's a restaurant um, called Rustique that um, that did like a pork like it's a pork belly but it's like unlike any pork belly that you've ever had Why? it's like super crispy okay. it's like crispy and kind of gummy you okay. know yeah. and you just can't stop eating. It's like kind of like pig's ears when they're done. Yeah, sometimes mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, it was like you just couldn't stop eating. I just again. went down
1: to La Nacianal and Allen. they they handed me this slab. It's a lot, uh, restaurant on Third Avenue in Chula Vista, um, and they just handed me this slab and I was like, oh my god, this is gonna suck um, because it was just this. It's chicharrones, mm-hmm. um, but it's served in a way that a lot of Mexican families will actually serve it. it, it it's kind of like a whole cross section of the right. the pig, right? Right. You know, so it's not just just the inflated, you know, skin. Yeah, it's it, not just
4: the crispy bubbles. It, it, yeah I mean yeah. and it's and
1: it's not pork belly right you know it, it's I mean because pork belly has it too you've got the, that layer of like fat that's almost gummy right it's, it's almost like, like oh that's kind of gross oh it's so it's so good so good yeah.
2: was it a suckling pig because I know they do that in Spain a lot they do
4: it wasn't suckling okay. but it was um
1: yeah where they cut it with a plate and all that
2: yeah that's yeah. my favorite yeah, yeah. <laughs> um
1: yeah the, so I want to do the house but cleaning. What, to frame what he's. Oh, sorry. Go
4: ahead. It, it, I mean, it was literally the pork belly on a plate. Yeah, that's what. That's what I'm. That's just what I wanted to add to it. It's not yeah. like this creative, crazy dish with all the stuff. It was just the pork belly yeah. done. I mean, done. Like I, I've been cooking all my life. I don't know how they cook that. Mm-hmm. You know. So it's like. It's you're just amazed by it. You're like, God, this is just the best thing I've ever yeah, had, and do, I don't know how they did it.
1: We do need a little bit more amazement because you are going through it. And this is, I think, this is happening across the American culture in terms of dining because you're going to show up at a restaurant, you're going to get your, you know, um, r- r- uh, Brussels sprouts that have been roasted with a balsamic gray, uh, um, drizzle. You're going to get everywhere, it, everywhere, or it, your A5 and it, your, your A5. caviar and your, na-na-na-na-na. yeah, right, you know, and, and it's we have because the information is spreading so easily and because, you know, the recipe for a good restaurant like yours is, is out there now. Blueprints have been made readily online. AI is digesting George's as we speak and replicating them across the country. <laughs> um, you know, but the, I think the, the people copy that so much that we're getting repetition so much and we are lacking surprise. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, surprising relationship, right? I mean, that's like if you walk mm. out of a, an
4: experience, with surprise and a, rela- and a feeling of relationship, that's something that's super powerful. And, exactly. And food can kind of br- bring that together in the same
1: space. Well, and that's what, it, okay, so I want to do the housework because we're talking about like what you're doing with, with these events. Yep. Um, for the 40th anniversary, you're going to be inviting a lot of the chefs that have cooked there throughout the years and gone on to massive success. You're going to be invi- inviting them back for special dinners over a series of, how long? We start in February and we end in October. Okay, so all wow. year, yeah. some of the be- some pretty phenomenal chefs are coming back to Georges, where they cut their teeth. Were you easy to cut their, your teeth under? Were you were you uh, um, one of the classic kitchen American assholes, or were you, <laughs> or were you gentle, or were you a mix of both? And how are you now? I was. I would say I
4: was a mix of both, to be oh, honest with you. But I, yeah. you started off the conversation by saying that I have a certain demeanor about me, and that gets me pretty far. Down the road of intimidation for, <laughs> <because>. <laughs> and, and, and it, it, intimidation is is uh, is a very valuable, um, a
1: very valuable um, emotion or well you know what you something know what it to, is? Pro- to project it, in the kitchen. It, I have zero restraint. Jackie has zero restraint. David's got a little bit of restraint. I got it on vacation. Yeah, occasion. Um, I, I will say everything that comes to my mind. You will just bide your time. You'll know, <laughs> stare right through me. I can feel the hole being burned in the back of your head. You know that person can that can sit there and like just let you dig a hole?
2: Yeah, what's that like? I can't relate. <laughs> <On> the most <laughs> cellular level. Well, I'll, I'll I'm give like you sitting here at the microphone. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, like, shut up, Jackie.
4: I'll give you an example because uh, one of the letters that we got back was from... Um, was from connor McVeigh, and he he wrote and he said that you know he it was like he, I think he'd been there a week and we lost a dishwasher in the middle of service and so he was washing dishes and and working on you know the garbage station and uh and he he said you know uh Trey was very kind of an intimidating and quiet force, and he came up behind me and said, If there was any doubt, you know now that you have a job mm mm-hmm. and um and he said it was the second time that he had, that I had used his name yeah. since he started, you know, and so I think it's that kind of that's the kind of vibe I I put out. It's, Got it. Yeah, it's um, and I remember working at L'Orangerie um, for Jean-Francois Metinier and he was he was a, he was a lunatic, you know, he was a he was a plate thrower and stuff. And I remember him. I was working on the hot, hot app station and he came up. And he used to taste every sauce on the line, and he would always correct it, right? He would always put salt. He would always do something, add butter or yell at you or do something. Hmm. And so he came by, and he tasted my sauce. And every time, every day, I was trying to make that sauce. right. It was super simple sauce, but I just never got it right. And that one day, he came by, and he tasted it, and he put the spoon down and walked away.
1: And that was it. And that oh. was it. <laughs> that was approval. <laughs> yep. Hmm. So there's the, the, yeah the, the the absence of a comment. Right. Is sometimes is sometimes
4: a very powerful statement. Is a
1: very powerful statement? All right. So, back to these dinners. So, uh, for, I mean literally for 7 months, some of the best some of the g- country's better chefs which have filtered through your culinary academy that you have at, at um, <laughs> George's. It literally has, I call it that. It's been it's been the CIA in the absence of and no offense against, you went to CIA. You know, and no offense against culinary schools, and there is a place for them and I'm glad that they exist because, you know, it is a professional um, uh, occupation that you you could at leisure, you know, use a few years to completely focus on. It's hard to make that money back. We all know this. That's one of the problems with, with culinary school, mm-hmm. you know. But it, in absence of that, you know, the kitchens like yours that have been around for a long time and know what the hell they're doing become adjunct universities for the profession itself. So, all right. So, tell me, give, give me a few of the highlights um, of who's coming back.
4: So, the first two reservations that we have open currently are the, are the first two events. So, the first one is Connor McVeigh, who spent uh, quite a bit of time with us and then went to L.A. And he was... Uh, he worked under in the Wolfgang world yep. for quite a long time. He was the chef um, at Hotel Bel Air for a number of years. And he and Christine Rivera, who you know, Christine, oh, yeah. she's, um, she worked with us at Georgia's for a long time. Then she helped me open Galaxy and then helped transition that into Sandpiper. They both spent time in the kitchen at the same time. Okay. So they're coming to do a, a group dinner on February 20th. I love 20th. That
1: because I love Christine, too. Yep. I mean, Connor's fantastic, but Christine is just... What is she doing now? She's uh, the executive chef of the Bishop School. Oh Ohio. no way! Oh. Yeah. Okay. Is Chris, Christine is phenomenal? Raised uh, did I make t- Tijuana, San Diego. No. San Diego. Yeah. Just San Diego. San Diego. Yep. I thought for whatever reason she had t- Tijuana roots too. Mm-hmm. I'm making that up. Okay. Um, and then the second one that we that the reservations are open are Sam
4: Peters and Stefan Karpinski, the our two mixologists. Okay. So they're taking over level two. We're going to do two seatings of well, they're not seatings, they're standing events, uh, but there'll be um, 80 people per seating and cocktails and. Sam and Stefan shaking and, and yeah. <laughs> raising hell like they do.
2: <laughs> they and made uh, the book, Neighborhoods of San Diego, right? Correct. They were behind yeah. it. Yep. Yeah, That you guys did. Yep.
4: And then the next one's probably uh, one of the ones that you know most people are going to know about the most, which is Christopher Costo. Oh, yeah. He's... Um, well, Okay,
1: so Christopher Costo, yeah. three-star Michelin, uh, now at Meadowood,
4: correct? He, he was the second the meadow the restaurant at meadowood was the second restaurant in the state to get three michelin stars after the french laundry got it and he built that restaurant basically yeah
1: and so what was he like as a young kid
4: well he has a degree in philosophy he's very he's very intellectually uh just on fire you yeah know? and back then he was just reading everything he could get his hands on and you know coming every day with a different idea and something you wanted to do and oh so he was exhausting oh he was he, well he was <laughs> exhausting but in a, in the best possible way right Right. right. yeah so yeah. Um, yeah he went he worked with us twice actually he worked with us then he went to France spent time in France and then came back and worked with us again and then um, and then went up to Campton Place worked with Daniel Hum and yeah stayed in kind of the Bay Area for a while and ended up at the at Meadowood and he and I are still very close and
1: yeah, and I understand that yeah, he, he comes back to San Diego a lot, too. I feel like, am his, I making that up?
4: His parents lived here for a while, and they he used to come down here for that, but okay. then they, they recently moved up, not recently, but they've moved up to the Bay Area now, be closer with them and the family. Well, that's
1: because all Bay Area moved to San Diego. You know and so we had, had to it, reverse it yeah, yeah we, we were reversing yeah <coughs> yeah we're taking over the abandoned houses um one or two more and then we'll, we'll then we'll direct everybody to the to the website but.
4: sure um stephanie Prida.
1: um she's she kind of flies a
4: little bit under the radar unless you're in the pastry world okay um she was the pastry chef for manresa when okay. they got their stars okay um she was a corporate executive pastry chef for the major food group yeah you know, the oh, and yeah. all those so you know she's she, very highly respected in the industry mm-hmm. um, and just a sweetheart and she she was a pastry cook and then took on the pastry chef position for us then moved to Chicago and went off and did all her things and she's currently at uh, Manresa at Bread and um, kind of planning to do her own thing, so it's a way for her to. Oh, kinda,
1: okay. So you're you're going to be the R and D dinner for her next concert. I'm
4: hoping so. Yeah, we haven't really talked about it, but that's kind of the gist of what I'm thinking it's nice. going to be. Yeah. Is
2: okay. Is she announcing news while she's I here at this dinner? I don't or know.
4: She, I don't know. Probably not. But. <laughs> <We'll see. laughs> and then uh, Trey just got
1: very uncomfortable for anybody who can't see this podcast.
4: Yeah. And then Anthony Secviar, um, yeah. I know him as Tony, but um, it's Chef Anthony now. Um, he has um, he has a pedigree like nobody else. I mean, he's he worked at Le. He worked in Spain for a bunch of years. Came back. Worked for Thomas Keller Group for six or seven years. Um, He was the CDC at Addison for, you know, a big chunk of their time. Yeah. Um, And then he opened a a restaurant called Protege up in um, Palo Alto that's a Michelin star. I think there's a total of eight Michelin stars that are yeah. Re- recognized in this group. So it's a good group. A couple
1: of your former accomplices gone on to do, do mean, a couple of good things, <laughs> Do a couple of good things yeah. coming back through the kitchen over a series of seven months. And I, what I, was super cool is that everyone that I asked were like, yes, like awesome. it wasn't like, Oh, let me look at my, you know,
4: it was like, they just said yes. And not like they have nothing to do too. Right. They're all running being a big
1: operation so yeah well, and especially even the, the the one um, that is opening up her own restaurant i mean that's that's the hardest of all she's like right. oh my god i got to think of a name i got to get the branding i got i got to get a con- combi oven I, gotta- I
4: don't know where she has, is on, in the in the path to that but yeah i'm sure she's got a bunch of stuff floating <laughs> around in her head we'll right sniff now Sniff it out don't worry yeah <laughs> a, 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 exactly all right and so. they're very they're very intimate they're 32 max okay um so it's a it's a very intimate uh experience Um, Hopefully two seatings per night and that's it. And most of them are on Tuesdays. Um, I know that can be a challenging night for for some people. But, um, you know, the restaurant community, most most restaurants now are closed Mondays and Tuesdays. Yeah. Um, Most of their restaurants are closed Mondays and Tuesdays. So it kind of works that way. Uh, But I understand, you know, getting an 830 reservation on a Tuesday might be a little bit of a challenge, but that's why it's only 32. Yeah, but then again,
1: like five o'clock is the new 7 p.m. A Tuesday (laughs) is the new Saturday. You know, I mean, does anybody know what day it is? I have no idea what day it is right now. I have no idea what year it is, Trey. Um, Okay, so let's go back to your, like, what was the darkest moment of your, I mean, obviously the occluding um the day that everything had to shut down and, and pandemic was there a time 27 years i mean was it was there a time where you're like wow this sucks like i i don't know if i'm gonna make it obviously you've had to your e true hollywood story you're sitting in the chair right now there was there was two moments okay. the
4: first one is is a is a cool story and mm-hmm. the
1: second one is not that cool but it had a huge
4: impact on me in the restaurant so the first one was like prior to george's i had never been anywhere longer than two years oh god you so kind of beat that record. Yeah. So I, you know, it, I was in like year three or year four, and I was just like, I hit, I hit my natural wall, right? I would hit my yeah. natural lifestyle wall, and I was like, okay, well, I'm still here, and I'm a partner, so I'm not going anywhere. And so, like, when you're when you're in that cycle of like getting hired as a chef and then moving on and getting hired as a chef, you can kind of reinvent yourself every time. Yep. And you can reinvent your food. You can, you know, and so I'm I'm there. And I'm like okay, I can't reinvent myself. Everybody knows my you know my ticks and my warts here, so it, I am what I am, and um, we are what we are is a f- food story. So what am I? You know what am I going to do? So I told George, so I'm going to go to Paris by myself and go eat around and see what what happens. And <laughs> and I've said this story before, but it's been a while. So I'm sitting through this meal at Pierre Gagnier and you know remarkable meal. Sitting there by myself, just like taking it all in. And the last course that he served me for dessert was a dessert that was like a lime slushy made with tequila. It was basically he went on holiday to Mexico, had a margarita and decided to make a dessert out of it. And I, it just was like a light bulb in my head. I was like, wait a minute, I just flew around the world, spent all this money to get inspired and the inspiration is right in my own backyard. Yeah. And so I came back and it really changed my whole approach to cooking.
2: Wherever you go, there you are.
4: There you are. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of cool stuff right in your backyard. And, you know, it's not, the grass is not always greener.
1: Look, it's the same as getting married or, you know, you're anybody who's been dating a long time you that's an adjustment period you have to at two years or four years or whatever you you kind of wake up and you're like well we're still together like this is a long time and claire i love you so much and i i I will be married to you for the rest of my life Uh, but you know there is there is that moment where you're like okay i'm still in this relationship i'm used to moving on at this point in time now how do i believe me i've got two kids that just left the house so yeah we're
4: having (laughs) (laughs) we're having that conversation you know
1: so that's that's really it right you're like okay so how do I re- how do I make this interesting yeah. how do I how to make myself interesting to you how do you make it and you're doing the same thing and you go travel you go immerse yourself yeah I, I know that you said your your chef now your chef now is Masakujima. Masakujima. now he had actually worked with you before and then he came back he worked with me. He went to Juniper and Ivy as the CDC for a while, and mm-hmm. then he came back. And then he came back. Yeah. And you just sent him to France for a couple of weeks? Mm-hmm. Okay. So, I mean, you do that. You, you go. I remember this is when I knew that I that you were just a, a force of progression in San Diego was was when I found out that you were, you'd sent, when End of the Line came out, which is a documentary about the um, sustainable seafood and what we need to do about it and giving giving a damn. And you, you sent your entire staff, and you're like, I'll pay for you to go see that movie. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just, you're just paying for 15 bucks to go see a movie, whatever. Yeah. I don't know if you cover popcorn, if you didn't, you're cheap ass. But, you know, the, <laughs> uh, uh, the the fact that you said, like, I want you to go see this movie, I'll pay, I'll pay you to go see it, you know, really in... Like, give a damn about the studies that are being done on the things that we're serving. Right. You know, and, and that's the kinds of things, sending your people abroad, send them into education, kind of putting them in that traffic of new information, mm-hmm. you know, and having them navigate it and make it out alive and bring back something of use, right. I think, is how you stay around for 40
4: years. Right? Yeah, and I think it goes back to your original question, which, which is, you know, the other big element that happened was when I stepped out of the kitchen. Yeah.
1: Okay. So this is kind of a big thing. So Trey, obviously you've been in the kitchen and you've been over, you know, helping a lot of people you're bringing back for, for years, you know, and you did you after, I think it was after the pandemic, correct? You stepped out of the kitchen or Uh,
4: pre pandemic actually. We, um, I've had two general manager partners front of the house partners. And when our second one left, um, I had been there 16 or 17 years and I just felt like, you know, I, 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 if I if I can set this up properly I can run this restaurant myself yeah and that also has the fringe benefit of allowing me to have a schedule that's a little bit more flexible sure. um, and at the time my youngest daughter who plays D1 tennis now was playing junior tennis all over the state and we were going to Florida and doing all kinds of tournaments and so it was a struggle for me um, family-wise to try to organize that because I was the one her mom doesn't her mom gets real kind of emotional. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, not in a bad way, but she just, oh, you know, She gets it, wrapped up in the game. Yeah. yeah. Oh,
1: I, as, as a former competitive tennis player who broke a racket every time he crossed the court? Yeah. Yes, I yeah. totally yeah. understand. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot, of, <laughs> a lot of
4: pressure on that in that game. And so anyway, it, it allowed me to kind of bond with her through a really important time in her, in her tennis career. Mm-hmm. And so um, it allowed me to have some weekends off. And it also allowed some people to step up, right? I mean, I had John Bautista was the chef at the time. He was doing a great job. His food was excellent um and he was ready for the next move and he was either going to leave or he was going to you know or something so yeah. it's like here here's the reins you know i'm here when you i'm here if you need me you know and and i'm and i really was able to to free that up like really free it up like a lot of times uh, the fear is that you do that and And you can't let go. Like you can't give them the freedom that they need to be successful at it. And they need to fail. They need to make some failures. They need to, and then you kind of dust them off and say, "Hey, you know, good try. Let's let's do it. Let's go this angle and see what happens." And that's what my role is now is kind of more. um, You're there for the dusting off. If yeah, if you need me, I'm here, and I'm definitely here to say good job, and I'm definitely here to, you know, talk about like, hey, you know, what if we did this, you know. Um guidance and and support more than anything else and that's really all they need they're they're
1: very capable How was it that that first time for it's got to be a little bit of a death, you know? I mean, I, I know it, that it is. Yeah,
4: it is. I mean, it's and that's a good way of putting it because it's it's really like my whole career my whole ego my whole being was that thing yeah, you know and now I'm not that thing anymore. And even, like I walk through the restaurant, everybody still calls me chef. And it's like, right. I mean, I think it's a sign of respect, but it's, it's, it's I'm not the chef, yeah. I'm, you know, but I'm still the chef.
1: Yeah, always. Just, yeah, I won't yeah. ever lose that. Well, it's, it's funny because we—I went, went through the same thing when we took over San Diego Mag. I had to have my hand in every single thing. I was like, I need to make sure that this is good enough. Like that, so much is riding on this. Mm-hmm. Like, I need that sentence tweak. I need a fact there. I need that. and I was it drove myself fucking nuts. You know, but eventually, you surround yourself with good people and mm-hmm. you have that trust. And one of the best things I've been able to do is I've stepped back. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm like, hey, most for the most. Uh, almost everything that happens now in San Diego Mag, I don't touch. You know, I'll come in and I'll look at it and I'll give an opinion on it and I'll, you know, and if you need me, I'm here. You know, but it's better because you, you because
4: you have a lot of intelligent people looking at it. It's not just one. Exactly. You yeah. People fly.
1: Yeah.
2: Similar to Trey, though. That was an it's an identity shift for you too, right? For, for sure. Huge. Yeah. Yeah,
1: for sure, it yeah. is. And You, you want to be in the fray. Yeah. You want
2: to be like I want to be that guy. And you're like. I
1: can't do everything, man.
4: And, and there's I, plenty of self help podcasts that can help us
1: all through that.
2: Yeah. <laughs> like this one, for example. This I don't yes. know if you guys knew is a self help podcast. Welcome. <laughs> Absolutely.
1: This is now um filed under wellness. Five stars, please. Yep. You got him. Yeah. Um okay, and then the Okay, so that that was you've mentioned one of your like low moments or, or like you no know, changing moments that you had to kind of Good things
4: think. came out of both of
1: those, right? Yeah. Exactly. And then the best moment. Like what was what was like are a couple high moments I mean what could be frivolous What celebrity like, sh- like came in and, and, and did karaoke on the bar um, You know what I don't know Or what small moment do You know remember, when, when your daughter walked in You know whatever Do you remember um,
4: R.W. Apple R.W. Apple I do not This very well respected writer Food writer Wrote for the um, For asshole. the New York Times okay. And the New Yorker okay. I don't know that name either. I know I apologize yeah. He's passed away quite a long time I'm, ago I'm going to look it up then but he um he he was doing you know it was an article for new york times regarding the bluefin tuna that was being um raised in down in ensenada yeah and he wanted to do kind of a tasting of of different aspects of the fish and we were the place that he chose to do it at so that was that was kind of a big deal for me i mean just out
1: of a respect for sure. Kind of thing. You knew somebody really gave a shit about the food and written yeah. and, and studied it and yeah. you know, knew where to eat it. And
4: yeah. then I think that the response that we got uh, for table three from a lot of people, uh, Bonjuing and you yeah. know, th- the real high end food bloggers of the time, yep. you know, they're not really doing it anymore. Um, they were very complimentary of what we were doing. And I, that was a lot of validation because table three really came out of a lack of validation. <laughs> you right. Know, I felt like you know I, I i felt like at the time the restaurants that were getting media attention were you know were getting smaller and smaller and they were making the guest They're guests, right? They're not customers. They're guests. Mm -hmm. They're making them like jump through all these hoops. Like you got to call three months in advance to do this at two o'clock. And it's like, can't you just put somebody on the phone? Like what's wrong? Like it's not that difficult, right? Right. Like where's the hospitality as part of this? Like Mm -hmm. I'm so nervous about going to this restaurant and I, because it took me so long to get the reservation and, (laughs) you know, and then somebody's rude to you in the restaurant and it's like, oh, uh, well that must have been me. You know, I must have, I must have, um, you know, and it's like, wait a minute you know like it's the hospitality industry
1: i I do think that we're missing that too right
4: yeah well i think yeah i I mean i think there's a recognition of it now anyway and it's not so it's not so like flash and pop with all the you know all the everything that was going on back then yep but you know that's what table three was was a was like me kind of screaming out saying look i'm running you know we're doing 1200 meals a day I have I have the talent I have the, as much talent as that guy yeah he's getting all the attention but he can't do what I'm doing yeah I don't think right but Yo, I, can, I know my but set. but I can do what he's doing yeah and so I thought well and it's the same story we're talking about today that's why we're here 40 years later yep right and that's why we continue to do what we do because I don't want to I don't want to be in a 12-seat restaurant just doing that every single day well, for it, for people that, you know, can afford it. Like that just doesn't that's not interesting to me. No. But I can't do it and that's what table 3 was. Yeah, and right?
1: I and I guess and table 3 was is extension of yourself and it, it, it's a challenging of yourself and it's a, you know, a It's it's a risk. You have to keep on taking those risks, right? Because, I mean, otherwise, a restaurant like George's would just be this tourist trap that was serving, like, frozen tacos out of, you know, like, because they had the view, because they had the name, because they had all that iceberg of, you know, repute, you know, would become one of those American restaurants, of which I've been into a ton, ton, and I don't feel like I should say a name, you know, but that I'm like, you gave up a long time ago. Right. And
4: financially, we could do that tomorrow. Like, I I could walk away and, you know absolutely come back on a monthly basis it's a basis. business
1: model in, fa- yep. in fact you know it happens in media all the time Right? is that somebody will come in and buy a media company and then slowly and surely gut it but before anybody really notices they're still making the same profits everybody's still kind of paying attention and advertising and, right. and, pa- and subscribing to it and you're like wait a minute why isn't this the same and why am I reading this wire service copy from somewhere else you know and then by the time that, that somebody recognizes oh really there's not this much care and love gone into this product right. they've made all their money and they're gone
4: but on the flip side you know there's there's not as many magazines now that were that are very edgy, I think. I yeah. mean, maybe there are that out there, but back in the 90s, like the early 90s, I mean, there was a ton of magazines that were like, this is for a very niche audience. I mean, there's <laughs> not a lot of people reading this thing. They were super creative, like yeah. beautiful magazines. But no, you know, there was, and so it's kind of the same thing, right? Like, you still want some of that. Yeah. Like, you don't move forward. Change doesn't happen. You know, growth doesn't happen without change. Yep. Right. And sometimes that change is painful, sometimes it's really interesting and enjoyable and sometimes it's not. Sometimes yeah. it is it's not enjoyable now, but in six months it's enjoyable for some yep. reason. Yep. You know, there's all those things that happen that if you're not stepping forward and making that statement, you're not you're not gonna get there. And I think that's where you have like a magazine that's very traditional and very like, you know, not that interesting. And then and we all need to we all need to kind of balance it, right? Like mm-hmm. you need to have the stuff that is going to sell newspapers and magazines. You also need to have that article that like affects people. Exactly. Like you go, wow, that's like insane. You well, know?
1: And, and and again, and not to bring up Jackie's rope story again, but you know this was the. the, the and I'm not throwing stones, because I was part of this, you know, publication, but it was kind of the same thing. I thought that San Diego Magazine got a little too safe, you know, and it had gotten a little bit too, and I'm not saying that we're any better. I'm just saying that we opened up the floodgates again. You had, we had to take the risks. I'm like, be weird. I always, that's in our, especially in our editorial guidelines, be, choose weird. Yeah. choose. You choose odd. Oh, you have a weird thought. That you're like, ah, oh, That doesn't feel right. I. Oh, that feels <laughs> crazy for what we're doing. I'm like, yeah. Then embrace it. Right. Oh, make it intellectual. If you're having it, then
4: other people
0: are having right. it too.
1: Right. Make it smart. Yep. Teach people something. Right.
0: You yep. got to talk into the
1: microphone. What? You, you, you mean? You uh, <laughs> okay, You've been leaning back this episode. <laughs> well, I, I lean back when I get excited. So I, don't, I don't blow you guys back out. To us. <laughs> um, so, anyways. Um, I think, unless you guys have something, um, I, I, I love hearing, hearing your perspective. It's the same kind of perspective <laughs> that I've heard from you. Thoughtful um, approach to yep. food, hospitality, relationships. And relationships and... you got two kind of a cornerstones that you were talking earlier about where you guys want to go with George's. It was relationships and something else. Uh,
4: just unique experiences. Yeah, I think like that to that experience. point. Do
2: you think the supper club model? Because it, it sounds to me like these these guest dinners are, are really supper club two seatings, very mm-hmm. small, you know, prescribed. Is it might that be something you take forward and, and make a regular thing? Because I feel like supper supper club dining is coming back in a big way. If you yeah. look in L.A. and Vegas, and then yeah, yeah. you have Ch doing Lulus. And yeah,
4: yeah. I you know I, as I sit here today, I don't know where it's going to go. All I know all I know it's going to be different and it's going to be fun and it's going to allow for a lot of creativity so i just i'm just going to hold it at that because every time i say it's going to be something that you know a lot of times it doesn't (laughs) end up working out
1: those tea leaves man they just got to blow up it's like somebody takes a a leaf blower to your tea leaves you're like
2: hey troy if, if you build it they will come. Yeah. <laughs> Troy and I in the February issue that you'll see in the wall. We both wrote in our articles, "If you build it, they will come." And we both were like, "Well, we both need it in there." So they're we're, both we're stereotyping together.
4: Uh-huh. And we're going to use. I mean, we're going to use these Gus Chef things as inspiration for that. You know, just, it's always, it's always you know challenging and interesting and and fun to cook with other people and and that you respect. And so we're going to have a lot of fun. These, these dinners are going to be a lot of fun. And so again, the first two are are open for uh, reservations on the website. now. First
1: two are open. Now you guys can reserve. And And what is the website?
4: Uh, George is at the Simple enough. Very simple. And then the, all the other ones, all of the other ones are going to be
1: opened on February 22nd. Okay. So anybody out there that is, that knows food, know this. February 22nd and all of them and I, I hate doing this because all of them are amazing people within the food scene and they're all going to be phenomenal dinners but Christopher Costow is going to sell that in, in like seconds. Yeah. You know, so Christopher Costow is coming back and he's, it's going to be um, opened up on February 22nd. Every single one of these are people that have put in time in San Diego and gotten on to do great things. Eight Michelin stars coming back to um, George's to cook once again to get the team, kind of the band reunited. Yep, like, exactly. You're like, what, what, what's the, what's the, what was the band that kind of created, like wasn't like and it was like Flying Burrito Brothers no what was I guess there was was it Wings 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 was the it Wings Traveling McCartney's? Traveling Wilberries? Traveling Wilberries is actually what I was thinking <laughs> okay,
2: I, was like, I don't know if it was I'm not a Wings fan I know I know,
1: I know. is anyone anyways the a band the, the band <laughs> that used that spun off a lot of very famous people or just very respected people within the industry is kind of getting back together for one nights only so yep. check it out George's at the Cove alright let's move on to two people fifty bucks two people fifty bucks um, two people, 50 bucks, um, Trey This is, uh, or wh- whoever would like to start I'd like to give you your, your um, uh, the first shot because Oh, I'm ready to go Okay, so I actually know what yours is Because you t- um, sent it to us beforehand And I, I w- ten years ago I did a search throughout the city Of the my favorite establishments within a certain genre And this is one of them because it's funky as hell Super funky Yep, yep. It is. Uh, Best of one up in Encinitas Best of one. it's yeah. so good It's just weird It's, it's so good now uh, yeah. Did it get better?
4: Yeah because the pizza was yeah yeah um it has a new ownership and um he's a he's a chef that's here been here local for a long time and um wait who took it over um his name's eric i don't i'm
1: okay okay eric that's fine
4: yeah yeah so
1: so he's so he knows it so and it's the, the quality of the food is getting better too
4: yeah and he what he did was he did it very carefully you know he didn't go in there and just like you know he he's a he's like a a real chef like he yeah. was running a big hotel operation he's he knows what he's doing and um, and he just fell in love with I think just fell in love with what what the bones were there yeah and knew that all he had to do really was was start buying good ingredients and didn't really need to change the world yeah and he did it exactly perfectly you know it's got a great burger um, his pizzas are you know, changed the pizza recipe the pizzas are good the salads actually are good the dressings are well made you know it's not like Cisco which it kind of got to the point where it was like I didn't sure. go there anymore because it was
1: just like honestly you know. I felt the same way And yeah. I, I when I did that pizza pizza search you know I, I was like I have to include this because it's just so funky and it's cool and it's an institution yeah. you know but you yeah. know you're like just know what you're getting into the yeah. food is you know it, it was okay it's it's a lot better now that's that, and that it's the oldest restaurant I
4: mean, in, in Encinitas I mean it's been it there really? since like forget the like 1960 something it's got funky little
1: windows and decor and And he didn't
4: change any of that he just put some fresh paint up and it's all clean now it's 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 killer
1: all right so everybody go up to encinitas and go check out best of one b-e-e-b-e-s-t-a-w-a-n all right jackie
2: correct all right linda vista sushi yuramichi it's um kind of in a gas station parking lot kind of not both at the same time. It's not expensive, so for once, I'm actually fitting within the 50 bucks. You could definitely do two people 50 bucks here, and they've just got really fresh fish. A killer lunch special with all types of rolls, nigiri, sashimi. They source the fish well. It's always packed, always locals, and it is decidedly unhyped for a very cool little sushi spot.
1: Nice.
0: All right, David. So, lately we have been uh, not chain-shaming lately. Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, no. I, I'm all down for the, the the chains I did go through a period of my life when I saw all my small um, uh, indie mom and pop restaurant tours going up against chains and they had the buying power and everything else and I was like God down with chains they're, they're getting in the way of, the, of my friend who's trying to open up a restaurant I love chains it's fine the yes. chains are totally okay
0: Yes, so thank you for uh, taking my story. Uh, I'm so sorry,
1: I'm I'm gonna shut the hell up.
0: I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. But so yeah, we haven't been chain shaming lately and uh, this is a happy half hour podcast, so I'm kind of combining the two. Uh, And the chain did start here in San Diego, so Burger Lounge, uh, there's one a couple blocks away from the office and uh, one of our, our co-workers here Michael he was I'm um, like he's like oh my gosh I'm going every Tuesday he goes to burger lounge at three o'clock and I was like why are you always going to Burger lounge at three o'clock and so uh, they start their happy hour at three and it goes till six and it's half off chicken sandwiches half off chicken nuggets half off french fries half off onion rings half off draught beers and half off wine wow. so I was like I was like oh my gosh that's like actually a phenomenal happy hour deal and so I went I got got the chicken club sandwich and then the half order of French fries and half order of rings and then just a soda water because I was still during work hours. Um, (laughs) And the chicken sandwich is really, really good. I was like super impressed. The fries are cooked perfectly and the onion rings are are great.
2: Their onion rings rule. Yeah, Yeah, the half half is the way to go on that. I always get half fries, half rings.
0: So now I have a Tuesday tradition with Michael.
1: I, I love that
2: Tuesday, cute. Tuesdays with Michael it's really cute
0: um,
1: <laughs> alright so we are working on our best of our, our, uh, excuse me not best Troy, of you uh.
2: didn't are you are you newsing <laughs> are you are you restauranting
1: are, Oh, no, 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 no. Sorry,
2: I thought you were moving on. I'm so sorry. I thought you were moving on from 2 oh, oh, no, oh, no, 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 no. I'm, not, I'm no, so no. sorry. I'm so sorry. That's Forget okay. That. That's that all out. Right. I'm
1: so sorry. We we are working on, in February, we're dedicating an entire month. In fact, it's, it's already up on the wall. We're looking at the magazine as it went to print and we're doing digital content around it. We're going to do video around it. We're going to do social media around it. We're throwing a big event for um, the taste of South Bay, which basically, we've been covering South Bay for a few years. I mean, a long time, but specifically in the last few years before I even got here, there was a lot, you know, renewed um, interest. On our editorial behalf, by actually like, telling the stories of IB of Chula of Natural City of you know uh, of so much uh, that really rich Hispanic culture down there, um, and this entire month is gonna be based on the stories so i went down i spent a day actually three days um at third ave and went around to the restaurants and kind of just kicked the tires on everything else i had a great um hibiscus um uh uh, michelada which i think i talked about in the last episode that was over at the tavern at the vogue and this one i just got a shout out to a well i'm gonna do two because i'm not gonna do it again next week or maybe i will do it again next week
0: do whatever you want
1: okay I'm going to do um, Don Pedro Taco Shop. It's a classic. It's been there forever and ever and ever. And it is, there's different re- rotating specials. Obviously, they've got like the bazole, um, they've got Menudo. You know, should you have a big celebration going on or a, a um, nasty, nasty hangover, they will do that for you um, on special. I think they actually have it most of the week. Uh, but the one thing that they do have, and I, it is the most indulgent. It is like a damn snow cone. It is like it is not even a lotes. It is not even a esquites. It is like crema with a few corn in it. It is one of the most <laughs> delicious. They call it a cup of corn, you know. And you call it a lotes when Mexican street corn is on the cob, and you call it a esquites when the the, the cob is or the kernels have been taken off of the cob. So this is a esquites. It is a bunch of kernels in a cup, swimming in the most deliciously fat. I mean, every bite you take, you're like, I have to go on the treadmill for an hour to get this off. But it is so delicious. It is such a classic. And as um, Third Avenue is going to be going through a lot of of transformation, as every single place in San Diego is, because all the home prices are incredibly different. You know, so there's going to be a lot of change happening in Chula Vista. This is a classic. This is one of the places that have anchored, you know, has anchored Third Ave through and through. Don Pedro Taco Shop, go in there, get yourself a cup of corn and just dig into it you'll have Kotiha cheese all over you by the time it's done but it was just a beautiful beautiful thing
2: Troy's <laughs> doing jan- uh, dry January so he needs to he needs to live he needs do, to feel I things I, do, I, need to get, yeah, <laughs>
1: I need to get my my fixes somewhere else and all your right. calories and my calories I do I need a little bit of sugar I need a little bit of fat and yeah all right so that's it Don Pedro taco shop what else David uh, I think that's uh, that's the show that's a wrap um, Trey <laughs> thank you so much for coming on and sharing your stories over 40 years um, you know I won't I, I, you get easily embarrassed when somebody gives you a compliment. So I'm not going to give you a compliment. You're fantastic. Um, the, uh, but George's, again, and I, I, say, I say this a lot. You know, We cover a lot of new restaurants, and obviously people want to know about the new restaurants. They want to know about things that are happening in their town, but we don't pay enough attention to the people that have been doing it over and over and over again and have done doing it over and over again, not in the same way that they do it because they've known how to do it by the numbers, but because they've been pushing themselves for decades and continually on that same kind of... Um, same kind of expectations they set for themselves when they had their big dreams, and you have. And so Georges celebrates 40 years over the next few months. Go check the website, GeorgesAtTheCove.com. Find one of those dinners, show up, see the past meets the present meets the future. Congratulations, my brother. Thank you, sir. All right. Great to be here. That's it. We'll talk to you guys next week. Bye. Bye.